0: Listeners, I'd love to tell you about a new podcast hosted by the gorgeous Kate Ferdinand called Blended, which I'm loving listening to. So Blended delves into topics like second marriages, grief, adoption, fostering, and not-so-wicked stepmothers. Kate's had guests like Rochelle Humes, who shares the story of meeting her half-siblings for the first time, Lottie Tomlinson on navigating grief in her 20s, and Ashley John-Baptiste, who tells Kate about his experience of growing up in care and how this impacted on his own parenting journey. All the episodes are incredibly thought-provoking and Kate has done such an amazing job at sharing her own experiences of being in a blended family along the way. Just search Blended with Kate Ferdinand on your podcast listening platform of choice to subscribe now. Give it a go.
1: Hello and welcome to
0: Is It Normal? The Pregnancy Podcast with me, Jessie Ware. It's Maternal Mental Health Awareness Week and so we thought we'd do a special episode to focus on how to cope mentally as a new mother. Becoming a new mum throws up so many new thoughts, feelings and responsibilities we are navigating possibly the biggest change in our lives. We're also bombarded with advice from friends, family, mother-in-laws, and even strangers on the bus. Oh, and I had one—my dry cleaner, woman never spoken to before—but demanded that I was breastfeeding. That was fun. All that while being extremely sleep-deprived. So it's not surprising that new mums often feel overwhelmed and anxious. In this episode, I'm joined by Anna Martha, who is a psychotherapist and best-selling author of *Mind Over Mother* to give us some tips on how to navigate the stresses of being a new mum. Anna, thank you so much for joining us. And thank you for sending me your beautiful book, The Little Book of Calm for New Mums. It's a Bible, really, of kind of helpful tips and non-judgmental advice. I really loved it. It's incredibly digestible. It's
1: got to be there, hasn't it? We're tired. (laughs) We're knackered. We need need something that is just... I just need short stuff, good stuff that's short. Like an espresso.
0: Absolutely. But I wanted to know I mean, so you're a best selling author already. You have a podcast, which I'd love to talk to you about in a sec. And this new book's come out. Why did you decide to write this book?
1: So it was a Wednesday afternoon. And I just remember standing in the kitchen, I was cooking dinner and the kids were just winding me up. I think they were after school, exhausted. So at the moment, I say at the moment because they keep changing this and I find it really hard to keep track of. They are three five and seven and I was on my own with the kids and I just felt stressed I think I had work stuff going on and I just you know those moments I just I wanted someone to come up to me and give me a hug Mm. and just acknowledge that it was hard and I was looking at my phone thinking which mate can I rant to who's probably going to pick it up And I thought, wouldn't it be amazing to have a book or something we can flick through in those moments where you just want to feel understood and seen and you want to be grounded. And it's like that metaphorical kind of hand on your shoulder. Mm. You're not the only person wanting to throw the pastor against the wall right now in this moment. And that's where that book came from. So you just flick to the page, whatever emotion it is. So there's like boredom, resentment, baby blues. All those different emotions, exhausted, missing my old life. You know, all those emotions that we feel. There's just a little few pages on it to ground, calm, give a little tip and a little mantra that you can kind of repeat to yourself.
0: So how old was your youngest when you decided to write this?
1: It was last year, so she would have been two. I think that's the thing that people that are
0: listening to this podcast potentially have listened to the, the pregnancy episodes and they're maybe a first-time parent, second time third maybe like us and you know you talk about that first year and it is like a bulldozer it kind of knocks you for six right but I do think that there's something to be said that this feels relevant not only for new mums but it's it stays with you and that's not to put anybody off having children it's the best thing I've ever done I'm so proud of my children I'm proud of being a mum but it doesn't stop it feeling bloody hard a lot of the time yeah
1: and I think, I don't know why, when I when I went into motherhood, I almost felt like the love, the enormous love I expected to feel would be enough. So I would probably never feel like angry or I don't know, bored or ungrateful or any of those things as if kind of the love should be enough to kind of wipe out half of human emotion. And actually we still have all of those mm. feelings. We still get bored and frustrated and tired and resentful. And I just think, it's just about de-shaming some of the emotions that we always feel like we have to caveat. Like you did it just then and I do it, you know, and we kind of think if we say, oh my gosh, I'm just just finding it a bit boring, but I love my kids, but I love my baby, but I'm so grateful. And I know that, you know, I'm so privileged to have this experience. And, you know, I think most of the work I do is just trying to de-shame like half the spectrum of human emotion, being like, just because you're a mum doesn't mean you have to feel guilty. And that's a big one, isn't it? Guilt Mm. for feeling anything other than, love and patience and all of those wonderful feelings that I think we have seen will have by the bucket load when
0: you had your now seven year old mm. did you feel like there was much information out there because I do kind of feel like these discussions have become far more acceptable and open and dialogue has become a bit more honest to say that you are struggling than potentially seven years ago do you feel like you've seen a shift
1: yeah, definitely. I think people are talking more openly, but I often get worried that in that we're kind of normalizing stuff. So I remember joking about mum guilt with my friends. Um, remember joking about the health anxiety of Googling all night about some mm. symptom and then just getting yourself all hair up because obviously it's worst case scenario situation. And it's so easy. The more we talk about it, the more in a way I worry that it gets normalized. And actually what I want to say is, If you're feeling anxious all the time, if you're feeling guilty all the time and you feel like a failure as a mom, you're always questioning your ability. Yes, it's normal. And yes, it's it's common, but it doesn't need to be your normal. Like there are things that we can do. You know, some of the bars of parenting we set so high. We're like, I need to get everything right. Yet the bar that we set for our own mental health is often like on the floor. Mm. You know, I want to get everything right for my kids. But I'm going to put up with intrusive thoughts, constant feelings of failure, constant self-criticism, you know, and that's all right for me. I'll just put up with that. But I want the best for my kids. And I I almost want us to like lower the bar of our parenting so that we're not feeling like a failure all the time and being a bit more realistic. But I want us to like nudge up the bar for what we expect of our own mental well-being. So apart from, you know,
0: reading the book, are there any other avenues, you know, I think what can resonate with people is that a lot of these themes, anxiety, baby blues, comparison, loneliness, winging it, it's things that I still feel as a parent of three. And I still feel like I'm getting it wrong. Mm. In the book, you suggest charities and places to go, you know, if you feel like you need to. As a psychotherapist, you feel like you're constantly psychoanalyzing yourself. Mm. And then is that kind of, a catch-22 situation.
1: Yeah, I think I had, so I had postnatal depression after I had my second baby. So in my first one, it was like he'd read the books. So he was honestly, he was pretty textbook. He was pretty straightforward. And I thought, well, I've done a good job there, haven't I? So when I had another baby, I was like, right, what I'm going to do is just replicate everything. Mm. And it didn't work at all. This is why we're a new mum every time, aren't we? Our kids are different. So therefore we're mothering different children and I'm a different mother to each of my children they need different things i just remember feeling completely like even more of a failure because i had this baby who just screamed all the time turns out he had a silent reflux that wasn't diagnosed and i just thought that was my fault i thought i was doing something wrong and i just felt so incredibly low and, and some nights we get about 45 minutes sleep and because i didn't know what was going on i couldn't get the help that i needed and i remember thinking when it struck me that i had postnatal depression what kind of therapist am i that i've gone this long and I've worked with so many people over the years that have postnatal depression and there am I as a therapist and I couldn't see the wood for the trees. And I think sometimes we need other people. It's almost the more we know, the more we expect to be able to sort ourselves out. And it was really humbling for me to recognize that I, I couldn't, we can't always sort ourselves out. And I think about heart surgeon and can't perform their own heart surgery, mm. you know, and and we need each other. And I think, you know, when people say, what can I do to arm myself, maybe I'm pregnant and I've had bits of depression or anxiety in the past, what can I do to kind of protect myself a little bit? And I say, you know, start accepting support in pregnancy, start having those honest and open conversations and start even just letting people make a cup of tea for you in your own home or when someone says you know oh you're really pregnant is there anything I can do to help do you want me to pick up some bits for you you think no no it's fine but actually what would it be like to say yes that would be wonderful starting to let people be there for you because I think that was one of the biggest challenges for me and one of the things that drove me kind of deeper into postnatal depression was that I really thought I should sort myself out. What was the turning point for you to know that you needed to ask for help? It was actually my friends kind of staged this intervention outside. uh, I think it was Costa Coffee on sunny afternoon. And they were like, Anna, um, we're going to take you to the GP (laughs) and we're going to look after. So I had a newborn and a toddler at that point. We're going to take the kids and you're going to go. I did what I was told. So the GP asked me if I was having trouble bonding with my baby. And I just burst into tears because that was the most painful thing, I think, to admit was that that love, that warmth hadn't come at the same speed as it had with my first and that was really upsetting to me and it was hard because if someone is screaming at you day and night and gives nothing back and you're exhausted you know it's understandable that it isn't going to be that kind of beautiful bonding skin-on-skin experience because actually you're just trying to find a way to survive Mm -hmm. and I think stepping into that GP office and then thinking right there are things that I know that I need to do now and that involved letting people be there for me Mm. there were many friends and family and often there are you know people that love you are normally standing on the sidelines because they're waiting for you to say that you're not okay Mm. and we so often do don't we we're like don't worry I'm fine I've got it all in hand and I think there's so much encouragement that says you know you've got this you've got this and actually I think some of the most defining turning points of my life and the lives of my clients have been when you've turned and gone you know what actually I haven't got this and then it lets it lets community happen it lets support happen
0: I think it's um also for the people that want to help uh, the mother or father that's suffering there's still a bit of a taboo about asking if someone is okay You know, thank God that your friends did take you to Costa that Sunday. But I do think that lots of people can be too polite because if you suggest somebody maybe has baby booze and you don't want to diagnose people, like, you know, but I think lots of people could worry about the reaction one would get. Like, well, no, piss off. Like, I'm absolutely fine. I'm just a bit
1: tired. Yeah. Defensive. I'm fine. Yeah. There would be many times in my early motherhood with two where I would go outside with my makeup on and my sunnies on with a double buggy, strolling down the road in the sunshine and anyone looking at me would have thought man she's got it all together and then I would have got home and cried on the floor and called my husband and told him that I couldn't do this and I think you know sometimes looking like you have it together is a defense against falling apart Mm. you're holding yourself together so much that it feels like deeply a vulnerable thing when someone says I know are you okay almost like you're not ready to be seen yet Mm. you're not ready to have that vulnerability to kind of open up and that's a really hard thing you know as a family member watching someone that you love kind of just holding it together and they're not ready yet for you to give them the support that you want and it's hard because you have sometimes have to wait loneliness is a topic in the book and I think it it's
0: one that also guilt accompanies because I definitely felt lonely. I was one of the first of my friends to have a baby. So I relied heavily on knowing that there was a baby class that I could take my daughter to. So I had some kind of focus for the day. But I didn't really want to sit within my feelings. So my way of doing it was to escape being in the house, which I think can help. Absolutely. But, you know, loneliness can be a big thing when you're a new mum or a new parent. And... You're with somebody the whole time, your baby, but you still feel lonely. And then along with that, you feel guilty for feeling lonely because you you made this beautiful person. And then you're like, hang on, Mm. I need something a bit more, too. I'm a bit bored.
1: Yeah. Is it all right that they're not enough for me? And, you know, how can a baby fulfill all of your social requirements as a human? The intellectual conversation isn't there, uh, no matter how much they babble. You know, the, the care and the support that we need from each other isn't there because we're caring and supporting them. And I think it's that thought again, that if I love my baby enough, I wouldn't feel lonely. Mm. This is where we start shaming ourselves and making out that love is enough. Love is never going to be enough to stop feeling human feelings. I love the word and very short little word. Uh, if I was ever going to get a word tattooed on me, it'd probably be the word and because it's like I feel grateful and lonely Not I feel lonely, but I feel grateful because then you're saying that the gratitude should matter more than the loneliness when actually they're both there. You know, I feel grateful and bored. Mm -hmm. I feel grateful. And I also miss some of the things of pre-childhood life when I could, you know, meet my needs and not worry about routines and all of that. And it's okay to feel those things together. One doesn't displace the other. I think with loneliness, you
0: know, there's some tips about encourage someone to just try and mix it up in the day make arrangements maybe to try and see somebody if you feel that you can you know but then along with that and I don't know if you experienced this I presume you did because you write about it that bloody thing of comparing with your mates or somebody else that looks like they're absolutely smacking it in that baby sign class or that baby massage class and they're changing the nappy better than you they're dealing with their crying baby so brilliantly they're popping the baby on the boob and the baby's not screaming because the I don't know the latch is shit what are some tips because I think that that is such a killer for so many parents at the beginning
1: I think it's so hard because it's cognitively reminding ourselves that we only see a small part and like they might be feeding beautifully but goodness knows that person might have a real challenge with their relationship at home Mm. and be really struggling with that we always compare the area that we feel we're just surviving in with the area that someone else seems to be thriving in because we're always trying to look to make statements about whether we're doing okay or not and I think that's the important thing is noticing when are you taking that situation to make a statement. About how well you're doing or not. So you might see someone else is feeling really well, therefore I am failing. And then you're making statements about who you are. And that's so shaming. And it's much better to think, wow, their feeding journey is going really well. Perhaps I could do with a bit of support, because that shows me that, you know, maybe there are other ways, maybe there are other positions, maybe there are other things that might help. And so thinking, are you comparing to learn or are you comparing to shame? And often we're comparing to shame ourselves.
0: And I think like there's nothing wrong with being inspired by some way that somebody brings their formula bottle pre-prepared. I don't know, like, you know, all their snacks are in a Tupperware that you've all sounds- crumbled at the bottom in my bag. You know, all of that stuff. I think you can learn from each other. That's what I've realize that yeah you do find yourself comparing but I do think that there's also a way that you can be in it together and I think that's a brilliant finding that group of like-minded parents a really good friend of mine up the road we had babies kind of within each a week of each other and I was quite a stickler for a routine and she wasn't and I really felt like it was unhelpful me talking about my kid's routine it was unnecessary because she wasn't doing it and she didn't need to hear that And also she didn't need to hear that my kid was sleeping quite well because that's just not fun for her. Do you know what I mean? But then I also found myself being like, how's how's her sleep going? And then that must have been quite... I realise now that probably was really annoying and condescending because she knew my sleep was going all right because that was one thing that was working. So... I think, yeah, as a parent who has compared myself, I felt like I needed to check myself in that situation.
1: It's hard, isn't it? And also if you have a good enough relationship with that person, then you could say, I don't know whether you're going to be offended if I talk about this or ask about that. I don't want to come across as condescending, but I just, you know, I know what it's like to be bone tired and yeah, I care about yeah. you. And I, I remember a friend actually, and she was so chilled about any routine. She just went with whatever the baby did. And as I am a creature of routine, I found it really hard not having one I was a clock watcher like oh when's the next feed due and I remember just asking her like how are you chilled about it I want to be a bit more chilled about it I want a bit more margin for accidental car naps and earlier feeds without feeling like oh no it's all gone to pot I could learn from her a little bit or at least kind of try and absorb Mm -hmm. a bit of her chilled vibes but also I had to appreciate that I'm just wired differently to her and the mum with the snack boxes all yeah. kind of beautifully laid out and stacked in a bag and all the different colorful Tupperwares you know that's important to her so that's why she's done it for me it's like well maybe I had a shower that morning and she yeah. hadn't or maybe i i had done a load of washing or something i don't know it's just always such a small part of it and we're all just doing the best we can and i think it's when we take that tupperware and we're like right well that means i'm doing badly then i'm i don't love my kid enough and it's you know it's those statements that we're making about i do it differently therefore one of us is Mm. doing it wrong absolutely imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt now imagine them getting even softer over time
0: I would like to know, going back to your own postnatal depression, you went to the GP, you got help. What did the help
1: look like? Did the GP refer you to a therapist or? I have like a really long standing relationship with a therapist that I've seen on and off over the last, oh my gosh, 12 years. And I speak to her weekly now because I realise I am someone who needs to kind of proactively keep giving myself space to talk otherwise I will just go into my self-sufficiency like don't worry I've got this it's all good I'm sorting myself out so for me, it was like someone had turned the light on and I was able to see quite how down I would got, because these things happen over time, not overnight. You know, we don't just wake up. It's like that frog boiling in a pan of water. You know, if suddenly you put the frog in a hot pan of water, it will jump right out. But if you turn it up slowly, it will boil. And it just is so incremental that it doesn't really notice what's happening. And I feel like often mental health postnatally is, is a bit like that, especially when our focus is on the baby. So our focus isn't on us. And I think I just had to really turn the spotlight back on to myself and think, what do I need? I need to be speaking to people. I need to be accepting support. So one big thing of what help looked like to me was the fact that my husband had been banished because he was working long hours. But I did. I asked him to go and sleep upstairs in a different room. Mm. And part of the reason for that was that our baby was awake most of the night and I was beside myself. There were some nights I was just crying. And I didn't want him to see that. I didn't want him to see how much I was struggling. So there was a night, I think, when I went upstairs and I said, you've got to come down, like, you've got to come sit with me because I know you can't help, but I can't do this on my own anymore. And so for us, that was a massive turning point of, no, stay out of the room. You go and get some sleep. I'm fine when actually I wasn't, Mm -hmm. but then kind of letting him in on that, even if he couldn't fix it. And I think often that's a barrier, isn't it? We think, what's the point in ranting about this or talking about that when they can't really help me, they can't make it better. But actually, you know, we underestimate the power of feeling validated, understood and seen. And that is therapeutic in itself. So I had to make conscious decisions to fight against that feeling of if I let people support me in motherhood I had this belief that I should be doing it all on my own because that was my job you know then I was somehow failing and that's a lesson for life we need people it can feel very uncomfortable for many different reasons people just keep themselves to themselves because that feels safer when actually you know sometimes it's really not we need people
0: not only have you written books you have a podcast tell us a bit about the podcast and whether this would also help some new parents that may need a little bit of kind of a reassuring voice in the rear
1: yeah so it's called the therapy edit so on a monday it's a 10 minute episode of me just chatting away about something it could be a tip for intrusive thoughts or overthinking or boredom done so many different ones and then on friday i speak to a guest so they're all mums what's the one thing that you would like to share with all mums so it might be something about nutrition or it might be something about vulnerability or you know it could be anything really and there again 20 minutes because I'm all about the short digestible bits and pieces but I think it's just you know what can you do how can you just you know sit down for 10 minutes and listen to something because the more we give in motherhood the more we need it's like a simple science isn't it we know that when we drive a car we need to put the right amount of fuel in it and you know it's almost like we overlook that in ourselves we just keep giving and giving but we we need listen to somebody that's
0: listening to this and isn't experiencing any of these Brilliant. That's amazing. You may be experiencing or one may be niggling and creeping into you. And that's okay. I think for me, I've had three kids now. Like you said, you parent them all differently. You have to because, yeah, they're different little people. And the emotions can be very different for each child. You know, you being a new mum of a first baby, that's going to have a different experience to when you've got two. Maybe there's going to be more exhaustion in the second one because you've got two, I don't know, and less lonely, I don't know. There's so many different changes and emotions that happen. And, you know, we're focusing on your mental health in this episode, but there's so much joy and brilliant stuff that can also outweigh a lot of this I think for anybody that's listening it's also okay to ask for help and I think that's probably what you'd say right talk and communication and that for me has always been key to being able to try and solve try and solve a problem
1: yeah definitely
0: just chat Anna for anybody who's listening to this that wants to find out more could you suggest any charities that they could access and we'll put them in the show notes
1: Yeah, so there's PANDAS. They support a lot of women through kind of postnatal anxiety and depression. You've got MIND, which have resources on kind of all different mental health challenges and tommy's also has loads of mental health resources as well and so those are three three go-tos and then the counselling directory if you wanted to find a therapist locally to you and then also your gp they can refer you for kind of online bits and pieces that be helpful and resources as well as put you on a waiting list if you benefit from talking therapy
0: thank you anna thanks so much thanks
1: for having me it's a pleasure
0: Thank you so much to Anna Martha for coming on. You can follow Anna on Instagram. She has her podcast. She has her books. And if you want to hear more about mental health and postnatal depression, do have a listen to episode eight where i'm joined by laura bridal a midwife who specializes in perinatal mental health there's also a list of resources in the show notes thank you so much for listening i hope you're all right i hope you've got something from this episode you're not alone there's so much access to people that can help you so if you are struggling please just ask for help sending you lots of love and we will see you soon on is it normal